You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast, as tonight we will analyze the Hoosier schedule that was released by the Big Ten last week. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, here with my co-host, Kathy Amos, and of Doing the Work, the newest show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. And we're excited to be joined tonight by Amanda Foster of Inside the Hall, for whom she will be covering the Hoosiers this season. And as we do most shows, we start our show with our banner moment. Tonight's banner moment is the Indiana Marketplace, powered by Open Doors. Collaborate with your favorite Hoosiers on NIL opportunities. This new opportunity was announced on September 1st, so another NIL-type endeavor for our Hoosier athletes. And our banner moment is sponsored by Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel has recently released a six-piece Colts collection. So whether you want only IU gear or other college teams or and now NFL, Home Field probably has something for you. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. So we're going to send it over to Kathy for the Amos Angle. Kathy, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, I mean, there's really not much else to add, right, Jeff? I mean, you and I were kind of texting about how slow it is right now, um, which is which is probably good news, right? I mean, we've gotten we've gotten our team established, and of course, the biggest news, which is why we're here tonight, is the schedule. So I won't talk about that at all. Um, just really excited. We're under the 50 day mark for basketball to start, and uh, you know, getting going with some fall sports here with soccer and and football and um, baseball is really getting into swing things. At least I guess for some people. For those of you who don't know i'm a chicago cubs fan so we never really got into the swing of things this year so um just kind of biding time until we get to basketball season um excited about the um the marketplace that you you mentioned already and i guess you know classes are well in swing so i i just really don't have a whole lot to to add to the story tonight i don't think <laughs> no it just has been pretty slow and and obviously we saw there maybe after our last show and we did about a month or, so, or three weeks or so ago, we finally knew that everybody was on campus for the team. All the freshmen had finally arrived and everything. So, but like I said, we're excited to, uh, to have Amanda Foster join us here tonight. Hopefully Amanda will be able to join us throughout the rest of the season at different times as a, as a guest. And we're going to give Amanda a chance to introduce herself. Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, like you said, I hope I can come back later in the season. I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about. Um, I guess just to give a little bit of background, so I'm a junior at Indiana right now. Um, last season, I covered the women's basketball team for the Indiana Daily Student, so I feel like I am pretty well versed in the team. Um, now I'm with Inside the Hall, like you mentioned earlier, reporting on the men and the women. Um, they haven't really had a solid women's reporter, to my knowledge, um, up until I showed up, and then I kind of pushed for it. I was like, why not? because I, I know them already and I know what to write about. And so now here I am and I'm very excited to, to get going this season. Yeah. Very excited to have you on inside the hall too. I, I'm, I'm a member over there as well too. So yeah, that's, like, that's great. Yeah. Excited to have you there. And also interesting. You said you told us before we went on, you're from Maine. I am from Maine. That's correct. Yeah. And, and Kathy talked about the Cubs. I'm a Reds fan. And I know you said you're a Red Sox fan. So your yes. team had a little better season so far. We started, we, it's been up and down better than you guys, but I, I don't know. It's not great right now. Yeah. Um, but, and, and what was the sports media program? Is that what drew you to Indiana? Yes. Um, I remember coming on a tour in February and it was cold and not a very nice day out at all. Um, but then I got a tour of the media school and I kind of learned more about the program and that sold it to me. Um, there's really nowhere else that I wanted to go after that. So, nice. Kathy, you got anything you want to ask Amanda before we head on to the schedule? Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, the other thing, I guess, before we jumped on the show, Amanda did, which is part of why baseball is on the brain. She did um, share with me, I think your ultimate goal, at least right now, is to be a baseball commentator and do play-by-play. -play. Yes, that, so, yeah. that is correct. Um I'll, I'm totally open to anything, obviously, but if I could pinpoint like the dream, then that would be the one. Yeah. Have you had the, opportunity? I'm sorry, Kathy. I mean, just kind I, of talking about, have you had the opportunity to cover IU baseball at all? Yes, I did um, play by play for baseball and softball for WIUX last year. 
Um, I did a few sideline gigs for Big Ten Plus for baseball. Um, so I've been able to kind of get into it already. Yeah. All right. So let's go on in. Let's get into the conference, into the schedule here. And let's start with the non-conference schedule. And Kathy, I'm going to kind of throw it to you first. And I just kind of broke these down a little bit in terms of um, kind of the winnable games. I hate to call them, you know, cinch wins, things like that. But obviously, you know, we got some teams. But I, um, Vermont, UMass, Lowell, uh, that's a, the, November 8th for Vermont, UMass Lowell on 11-11. Let's start with those two. Just kind of a couple, you know, maybe games to get ready because then the next game I think is one we want to spend a little time talking about on the schedule. But, um, Kathy, what do you think of those first couple games? Yeah, so in uh, really technically three, if you want to count in an ex- ex- exhibition, if we really want to uh, they have don't that put in it in, They don't put it in the record. <laughs> no, it doesn't go in the record, but they do have a, a an exhibition against Kentucky Wesleyan on November 4th as a warm-up game as well, if, if you will. So that's a nice tune-up, and then they jump into it with Vermont and UMass Lowell. Um, Lowell, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So last year Vermont was twenty and eleven, so a, a respectable um, uh, record there. And then UMass Lowell was eleven and sixteen. So the, definitely both games are ones that you know it should be good for the team to to take and start gelling together. There's the thing you know Jeff and I have been talking about a lot here in the off season is there's so many new players. We've talked about the four freshmen coming in, but we also have three transfers coming in. We lost a lot of our, our starters last year, three of our five starters. So how are you going to replace that and how do they gel together? And that's what I'm hoping to see from these games is that we can see different types of rotations. We can get people in off of the bench. Um, we can see how the team's starting to, to really gel together. So that's what I'm looking at for those two games. And Amanda, since you had a little bit more of a, a knowledge of the team last year, you, you, you know, again, what we're bringing in and, and, and what we lost, but how do you kind of see those first two games? I mean, and I think Kathy almost said all of it. I think really just a chance to see how the team is going to fit together um, and who's going to be in the starting rotation and the starting lineup and how, how things work because obviously like the defense isn't going to be the same because they don't have Nicole Cardano Hillary and even their offense is going to be different because they're probably going to have someone else starting as forward next to Mackenzie Holmes. So I think it's just with not a lot of heavy competition to start out. That's how you can find out who's going to be your most consistent starters and people off the bench. And then, you know, just kind of move on then let's get to the next game, which is really the only true road game that they have in the non-conference season. They'll be at Tennessee. They go to Knoxville to take on the Lady Vols. And that may well be, depending upon how the rankings shake out, shake out in the preseason, that could very well be a top 10 matchup on the road in a tough environment. So, Amanda, I'll throw it first to you. What do you think about that? First of all, Terry Moore in scheduling that game. And then how do you think perhaps it would be maybe something to watch for in that game? Well, I think it was a really smart move um, by Terry Morton to schedule that, to have a more competitive game and have have an opponent that a lot of people have their eyes on. Um, Tennessee was 25-9 and nine last year. They finished their number four in ESPN's way too early top 25 as of June 14th, which is a while ago, but still counts for something. Um, and Indiana was number 12 on that list. And they made the Sweet 16. They started 18-1 and one last season, so they obviously have a lot of experience and are good at what they do. And they're returning 10 players and four of those are starters. And so they have a pretty solid team that I think is going to be very competitive for Indiana and one of their most competitive games of the non-conference schedule for sure and possibly the whole season, depending on how things shake out. Um, So I think that as that in itself and going into Tennessee is a big thing to watch for just how Indiana can kind of get conquer that and conquer that situation and that arena because Tennessee is really they know their basketball and I'm sure their fans will show up for a game like that um I guess something to watch is they're returning Jordan Horston who averaged 16.2 points per game was their leading point scorer and so just to be able to shut her down on offense is probably going to be a big key for them and with the way their defense shapes shapes out and after losing the players that they did last year could be something that we don't really know what's going to happen with yet. Kathy, I'll throw kind of the same question to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, Amanda just obviously 
um, <laughs> is being trained very well. She hit everything <laughs> right on the, on the nose there. So yeah, they returned 10 players and four of those starters and kind of the opposite of us, right? Like we, we lose three starters and we are, we have seven players that um, are new coming in, but yeah, they're, they added four transfers on top of their, their 10 returning players as well. So um, plus a five-star freshman. Um, the interesting thing when I, that I kind of picked out when I was looking at Tennessee is on their schedule, something that might help us both with Tennessee, but also with our Big Ten schedule, is they actually play at Ohio State on November 8th before they play us. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm hopeful that that game will be on um, you know, TV where we can all watch it without having to pay some exorbitant subscription fees <laughs> to some weirdo streaming service like we did last year at the Bahamas. But um, <laughs> that's what I'm kind of hoping. Maybe we can get a sneak preview of what Tennessee and Ohio State look like um, and that's just, uh, you know, six days before we we go down to Tennessee to play them. So um, it's very early on in our season, too. So I, I think it's going to be a really strong and really difficult test for the for the women right out of the gate. Yeah, I think that's the big thing I noticed is there's not much and there's not a lot of rest. I realized we're not playing the level of competition in Vermont and UMass Lowell, but play on November 8th, then November 11th, and then you go to Tennessee on the 14th. So there's not much turnaround. You're trying to put new pieces of the puzzle into it. I think they're going to be pretty good pieces, but you still got to figure out how everybody's going to fit, where the roles develop. The reason I really like this game is, and, and I know Terry has not been afraid to schedule people, but to go on the road to Tennessee where you got to imagine that place is going to be packed. I mean, it's still lady ball basketball, and I just think that's going to really help them win or lose. Obviously, I want them to win, but win or lose, I think that helps them come later in the Big Ten season when they go perhaps to an Ohio State or an Iowa or a Purdue. And again, we've got a veteran team. They should be used to that environment anyway. But I also did feel, go back to last season, Kathy and Amanda, I'll kind of throw this as a secondary question to you. I felt even in that UConn game and in Hartford, it kind of like, I almost say got rattled, but you know, it was obviously a UConn crowd. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like that affected us a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I was I was at the UConn game. I traveled all the way to Hartford, and it was nice. that in itself was an experience. Um, but it was definitely very UConn centered, and I remember the little sliver of of uh, fans that were Indiana fans, and it was just totally outmatched. Um, and so that I think definitely did rattle them in a way. Um, and so, like you said, just this this year, like they'll have the experience after that, and you know, they go play Purdue, and obviously it's Indiana Purdue, and those fans are equally as crazy um and outspoken and you know um and so it'll be some of them have experience but I think it is going to be one of the first big tests um and to see also whether or not Indiana fans show up at Assembly Hall because we all know that the students don't necessarily take advantage of their free tickets the way they should for the women for for all of their games um and so it'll just it'll depend a lot of factors will go into it but I think the crowd is going to be a big deal yeah Kathy? Yeah, I, I would echo that. I think um, that that's really a, just a great point. Um, yeah, going back to the UConn game, you're you're right, Jeff. They did seem a little bit rattled going into that, and we had a very veteran team last year. And so while on paper they're veteran, again, we don't know how they're going to come together. So I think this will be very interesting to see how they come together in a tough environment like this, which which I fully expect that it will be. So yes, I, win or lose, I think we're going to win from it if that makes sense <laughs> and and then we come back to home and play bowling green on the 17th and quinnipiac on the 20th so again i kind of like what terry's doing here and kathy i'll throw this to you more about is kind of but the fact that the schedule here early a lot of games but they're almost like a big 10 schedule they're playing they get two maybe three days off to prepare so i think terry was maybe trying to make sure that she has the team kind of in that mindset play a couple days play just like you would almost in the big 10 yeah, absolutely. So three days after Tennessee, we come back home, play Bowling Green. Three more days after that, we um, have Quinnipiac going, coming in. And then five days after that, which we'll get into those games, we'll, we go on the road. So um, again, you know, you don't want to overlook anyone. And both of those teams, you know, well, Bowling Green barely were over 500, but Quinnipiac was 21 and 12. And if we remember, I can't remember who we played last year. We went on the road um, that was close to, to Max hometown. Um, I mean, they gave us some trouble too. So, you know, I, I, I think it's important too in these games that they don't overlook anyone because you just never know. Um, so again, hopefully whatever we learn from Tennessee, we're going to take and come back at home with these two games in particular and really fine tune it. Again, the hope I believe is for these two teams to 
uh, games rather to really let us gel together, start seeing the bench, start seeing different rotations and getting bench experience, which again, we talked about last year, we just weren't very deep, which really caused us problems um, making uh, any kind of run down the stretch. So that's really my, my hope. And Amanda, before I throw it to you on that with, with those two teams, for our listeners who don't know, Bowling Green, maybe just a little bit by last year, but historically been a pretty darn good mid-American conference team. And Quinnipiac is oh. a team that we struggled with here last year or it two years ago. <laughs> and 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 so they're they're a decent mid-major team. So these are kind of almost trap games in my mind about and you don't just want to overlook, you know, they're not to be overlooked like all oh, just easy wins. Uh, yeah, I remember the Quinnipiac game last year was close in the beginning because Indiana started off really slowly. Um, and so they have, they came out on top, um, but Quinnipiac was a competitive, um, they were a good competitor. And so, like you said, I think trap games in a way of just like not something to overlook, but the the scheduling, like you mentioned earlier, I think is a, is a really good thing that not a lot of people are picking up on um, of how quickly they have to turn around and figure out what they're doing for the next opponent. Um, and so I think that is going to be one of the best things that we see out of the non-conference schedule um, against teams that can be competitive and against Indiana, a team that needs to figure out, Kathy, like you said, who can come off the bench and not just roll with their five starters because that's not going to work. Right. Yeah. So then as Kathy mentioned, and Amanda, I'll kind of throw it to you first here on this one. Then they go to Las Vegas for a tournament showcase, whatever the term they're using for, but they're going to play <laughs> Auburn on the 25th, a traditional SEC power as well. And Memphis, who looking at their record, they were above 500 last year. So not again, two, those will be two games. I'll test them a little bit. Yeah. I think the, the fact that it's in Las Vegas is interesting in itself because that's like a neutral a neutral area so it's hard to know what to expect from like fans showing up and just what the energy is sort of going to be um i think both teams they will be more competitive i don't think they're going to be really that close to like the tennessee or unc games that we'll see um but again just kind of a, a midway point between opponents like bowling green bowling green and quinnipiac and, and tennessee for a good kind of middle ground of seeing how the team can do against a competitive team, but not at like the height of the competition. Yeah. Kathy, you got anything you want to add? No, not really. I mean, the only thing is that I was a little surprised when I saw Auburn on there and especially after I looked up their, their record last year, they only won two conference games last year. So, you know, just not a really strong team to be bringing into any, I don't think it's really a tournament, right? Cause it didn't, mm it didn't look like it's on whatever they're calling it the invitational but so that was interesting to me but again um you just never know i i couldn't really find much on what auburn has coming in so you never know if teams have a bunch of reloading going on and um you don't want to be taken off guard and just look at the record from last year and go oh that'll be an easy easy right. game let's look ahead to memphis so again kind of like a situation we don't want them to be trap games. And I think Amanda made a great point, you know, having that neutral court experience is really good to get at this time of the year too, to close out their, their November schedule. And, Busy November. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kathy, I'll throw it to you with this one. Then perhaps maybe at least the marquee home game in the non-conference schedule, North Carolina is going to come in and expect them to be a top 10, maybe a top five team coming in um, for the big 10 uh, ACC challenge game at Simon Scott assembly hall. So Kathy, I'll throw it to you and just give you an opportunity to talk about that game with the, with the Tar Heels. Yeah. I think this was probably for sure. The, the game that we heard about the soonest and, uh, had the most hype around it in part because it's North Carolina women coming into, to, to assembly hall, but it's right on the heels of the men's playing uh, North Carolina in there. So I'm really hoping that um, a lot of fans will come out for, for this game as well. You know, they'll pack it for the men's. I hope we can see that um, same love shown to the women this year, because yeah, right now preseason are way too early, whatever we're calling the top 25. You got us at number 11, you got North Carolina at number 10, you know, and they're, they're no slouch. They, they, uh, you know, had a freshman class that started for them last year. That was, you know, the second in the, the nation, they had three McDonald Americans on there. They made it to the sweet 16 last year and they returned top four, um, their top four scorers from last year too. So, um, you know, there's, they're ranked preseason number 10 for a reason. And I fully expect they'll um, be at that same place, you know, come December 1st when they roll into Bloomington. So um, really just a fantastic challenge. And I, I'm hoping again, fans come out, 
pack the hall and um, really <laughs> support the team to get through this game because it's it's going to be super important. Yeah, and I felt like that was we we talked about this in the off season in one of the shows, and Amanda, hopefully, you know, we'll kind of fill you in that Kathy and I we kind of looked at this as far as kind of had like four teams we thought we'd see because based on where IU finished and where the AC stands were, we were kind of hoping maybe for a Louisville or a Notre Dame ACC mm-hmm. Big Ten matchup, but didn't work out that way. But North Carolina was one that we had talked about in that offseason episode. You were there last year when NC State came in, you know, kind of a revenge game, you know, type game for them at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. So um, what, you know, can you speak a little bit to maybe what the crowd was like for that game and then kind of piggyback off of Kathy and just t- tell us what you think about that Carolina game? Yeah, I'm going to have to try to remember all the games kind of like blend together in my head. Um, let's see. I do. Rem- I remember the crowd for the Kentucky game because that was super early on. But NC State as well. Just I mean, when when people when enough people come to Assembly Hall, um, it just it gets so loud and there's so much energy and you can tell that the team is able to feed off of that. Um, and so, Kathy, like you said, I think if a good crowd shows up, that's going to be it's a whole nother level. Um and as for UNC, I mean, I think, again, <laughs> Kathy, you hit on almost all of all of the points. Um, when they made it to the Sweet 16, they lost to South Carolina, who obviously we all know about South Carolina. Um, and it wasn't like a big trouncing by South Carolina. So I think that says something as well about UNC returning their four starters. Um, Tiani Key, who's actually Tamari Key's younger sister, Tamari is on Tennessee, which is funny, the little connection there. She's going to be making her debut because she was out with an ACL last year, but she was one of the top ranked freshmen um, by ESPN going into last year. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, But just I think a lot of really solid competition and to be able to have that here in Bloomington is going to be a big deal. Yeah, I agree with that part. Hopefully, like Kathy said as well, the crowd will come out. We do have two Big Ten games that follow this, but I'm going to save those for when we just break down the Mm -hmm. conference schedule. So let's kind of finish out the non-conference schedule. And Kathy, I'll throw it over to you. uh, Moorhead State on December 18th and Butler on the 21st. Now there's a little bit of gap in the between the Big Ten games and those two because I imagine it's finals week in there for mm-hmm. at one point. So they usually don't play during finals week. But Moorhead State, Butler, probably two teams at least record wise that are not being thought of as you know top of the top of the level of their leagues. Right. Yeah, I know Butler only won one game all of last year. Um, do you have Moorhead State handy, Jeff? I didn't. I, I think, didn't I find much on. Morehead State was the one that won one game. I think Butler had more than. Okay. More well, than I one. just pulled up Butler, and yeah, oh, really, they won okay. one. <laughs> so Morehead State as well. Then. I, yeah, I had to go to two different places that I thought of okay. maybe I pulled up the wrong year, but yeah. So they both have collectively together they won two games. So yeah, I, I mean, again, we don't want to overlook teams and whatever, and you do have that ten day gap in between the last Big Ten ten game on the eighth to the Morehead State on the eighteenth, but. Um, again, hopefully everyone's still healthy coming out of these games and, you know, we're really just fine tuning at that point. And Amanda, just kind of all that you can maybe sum up, give us your thoughts, what you just kind of think of the whole of the non-conference schedule. Yeah. So we've touched on it. Um, I think it's a good chance for the team to see how they're going to fare in sort of a quick schedule with only a few days in between their opponents, but overall, like my first impressions of it were that it's not that difficult outside of UNC and Tennessee and maybe the Las Vegas games, Um, a good chance for a lot of new players to hopefully get some experience and see how they gel with the older players. Um, Fingers crossed since there likely won't be a lot of tough opponents that people won't get hurt doing like playing too many minutes or doing things that they don't need to be, you know, if players can come off the bench. Um, So I think that's, you know, there's, a lot to look for for Indiana to bring in the non-conference schedule, but there's not necessarily a lot to look for in the teams that they're playing, if that makes sense, where a lot could come out of it, but it's hard to kind of predict because we just don't really know a lot. Yeah. And and I, I'm looking forward to see if we develop that depth that we talked about. And, and, and Kathy and I talked a lot about in the off season. We talked about last season. I know Amanda, you, you covered the team last year and I know you had to see the fact that we only basically went about six deep. Yeah. Um, I really hope. And the other thing I'll be interested to see, and Kathy, I'll throw this over to you as well, is what kind of changes are we going to make? You know, Carrie Moore has always built her foundation on defense. This may not be quite the defensive team we've seen the last two, three years. But so will we play a little faster paced offense with all the guards and hopefully the three point shooting we've added? Or will it still be kind of a grinded out defensive mentality first that we'll see from the Hoosiers, Kathy? 
Yeah, you know, yeah, we've talked about that and trying to guess what's going on with with Coach Morin. Uh, I, I still think they'll be very defensive minded. I, I do. I, I, you're right, though. I, it's not going to be like last last year's team. I, I don't think they're going to, you know, we've lost, obviously, Nikki and Allie in particular, but Alexa Gulbay was also fantastic defensive player, too. And just losing those three defensively is going to be, I think, hard for the newcomers to really get up to to that level now what they do bring it to your point is offense right i think specifically we've talked about sarah scalia coming in who could just shoot the lights out of the ball right like (laughs) um she actually made more three-pointers than caitlin clark did last year which is i knew everyone was focused on caitlin clark i think that really because of that overshadowed um sarah and i think sydney Parrish can really create some some offense too on her own so i i think that we're going to see maybe more balanced this year between offense and defense. Maybe the defense goes down a little bit, but I think our offense is going to come up. So that that's what I I'm hoping we'll find out, um, you know, as we get through November and December here with the team. Yeah. And Amanda, have you had a chance at, to see any practices? Have they started official practices yet? I was trying to look that up today. I couldn't find anything. I have not heard anything, not to my knowledge. Um, the media day is next Thursday, I believe. And so we'll be okay. able to talk to, players and coaches for really the first time over the summer, we were able to talk to um, a few of the men's men's players. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's really the first time we're going to get to talk to anybody from the women's team next week. So I don't, I'm just as in the dark as everybody else, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. I just wasn't sure how much words then. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, Kathy kind of hit on as well is like, and Amanda, I'll give you a chance to chime in on this real quick as well, but you, you covered the team last year and I know you watched them the year before that, but Kind of the same question. Do you think we'll see maybe a little less defensive focus and more on the offensive side? Or is it still going to be Terry Moore and we're going to play defense first and then we'll worry about offense? I think, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they do kind of go with a defense first mentality, but it's going to have to be so different than it was last year because you're not going to have Nikki at the middle of the court pressing everybody because nobody nobody else can do that on this team. Right. Um, and I, I have no doubt that they're going to play just as tough and as gritty as they did defensively last year. But I think, Kathy, like you said, there's a good chance for there to be a lot more balance on the offensive end because of all the talent they're bringing in. And I just wrote about Scalia compared to Clark in one of my most recent articles okay. and going through the statistics. And it's like, why were people not talking about her more? Because, and I remember when Minnesota came last year, she was just, she was going. Yeah. I think she shot over... She made over 20 points for Minnesota and was their top performer. And so I think there's a lot that's going to be on her offensively. But I think as a whole, the team has a lot of potential to do more on offense than they did last year. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think if Scalia plays the way she has and if we can get some more three, you know, some better three point shooting, even from a Sydney Parish, but even from some of our the returners that we have, I think that this team's ceiling gets much higher. I think the floor is even high. You know, the floor is about the same where it was last year. I think you're going to be seeing us you know, being competitive with nationally ranked teams. You're going to see us in the mix of the mix of the Big Ten title. But if we can shoot the three point shot a little better. It, put, it makes our ceiling mm-hmm. so much higher to where we were. So let's talk about the Big Ten schedule. I wanted to kind of break it down. And let's. And I'm just going to kind of throw it to Kathy. I'll throw it to you first. Let's go through the first four games because we'll just kind of break it up almost like okay. quarters. The first two are in December, Illinois, Penn State. And then right after Christmas, uh, go and that was at Penn State, by the way. And then they go to Michigan State on the 29th and have Nebraska on New Year's Day. So those are the first four games. Illinois is at home, by the way. But realistically – Two of the first three, in my opinion, Illinois, Penn State, bottom of the league. We can't overlook them, but they're bottom of the league. Michigan State lost a lot yeah, uh, as well. The team I'm worried about in this in this stretch is Nebraska, because to me, that's a yeah. team that's on the up, that's on the rise. And Amanda, I'm going to ask you kind of, or Kathy, I mean, I'm sorry, I'll throw it to you first and kind of break down those first four. Yeah. Um, so we have Illinois. Yeah, you know, they finished. They only won one conference game last year. They're not really projected to, to bring a lot more um, to the table. Penn State only won five conference games. So, you know, if we're going to start out um, here in early December, so those are the two games that uh, you alluded to earlier, Jeff, that are kind of sandwiched in our non-conference. So that's on December 4th and December 8th. If you're going to have two teams to start out with, I'm kind of happy to have those as our first two Big Ten teams kind of smushed in there. Um, the the Michigan State one, you just don't know, right? I mean, they did beat Michigan last year, but they did lose a lot. So um, they're not, they don't seem really projected to be 
to be any contender to the conference title. But again, like they're one of those teams that if you go into Michigan State, especially this one be on the road, um, you better watch out. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, to come home on New Year's Day then um, and play Nebraska just two days later, right? Yeah, we have the 29th Michigan State. Yeah, um, that's they, they have to be ready for Nebraska. Nebraska is returning a lot of players, and they are going to be um, – I think they're going to be right up there in that conversation that if people just don't watch out for Nebraska and overlook them, they're going to get beat by them, even if it is at home. I think Nebraska is a team that everybody in the, the, toward the top of the Big Ten better pay attention to because I think they're going to be in the mix. Um, Amanda, can I let you break down those first four games in the Big Ten Conference? Yeah, I like Kathy said, I think the first two, even the first three Michigan State are not too big of a concern. And obviously you, you don't want to just jump right past them. But I think Indiana will have the ability to be just fine in those games. The one thing with Illinois is that they do have a new head coach, and so it's kind of hard to tell. You know, you don't know what she's going to bring in and how things have gone in the offseason and everything, but I still don't think that that is going to be really a lot of big news, and having them at home is just going to be another leg up for Indiana. Um, just from a basketball fan standpoint, I'm really excited for Nebraska um, <laughs> because I, I remember them last year, and they were competitive – Yes. And they beat us. They, they beat us. I remember I that was Valentine's Day, and I was sitting in the yeah. media school, and just thinking, "What's going on? Um, and why is how are they doing this?" But they did it, and it was they looked really good, and they looked good in the Big Ten tournament. And I think with the with their returning five starters, and so that just there's a solid core there. And if you can keep that, you know, they could they could do a lot. And I think Jeff, like you said, a lot of people need to be looking at them maybe more than they are because you look at the top three, four teams and Nebraska is like the fifth and you know, they could easily be up there. Yeah. yeah. So then the next four games for our, for our listeners and the people who are watching us here live on YouTube uh, at Northwestern on January 8th, home with Maryland on the 12th. And I'm going to come back to that in a second at Wisconsin on the 15th, and then Illinois for the return trip to Illinois on January the 18th. Northwestern may be in that middle of the road, so I definitely don't want to overlook them on the road. Um, but Wisconsin shouldn't be very good still. And, and again, we already talked about Illinois a little bit. But Maryland, the only time we play Maryland this year, back in Assembly Hall, we beat them for the first time ever last year in Assembly Hall, then turned around and beat them in the Big Ten tournament. So, and, and everybody thought Maryland might be in trouble because they were losing people left and right to the portal, but Brenda Freeze did a really good job of picking up people in the portal. So, you know, they're going to come in here. So this, this is a game that, in my view, is going to be a really nip and tuck game. But you got to if you want to be in the mix at the end of the year in the Big Ten, one of these teams, especially us at home, probably needs to win this game. Amanda, what do you think about that? First of all, the first, those four we talk about, but especially uh, Maryland. Yeah, um, I mean, again, it's just a game that I'm very excited for with the way that Indiana played against Maryland last year. Just every game you knew it was going to be exciting. Um, and with the history behind the two teams, that just adds another level. Uh, I remember looking at the transfer portal news and obviously Owusu and Reese are both gone now and they were two of the biggest keys to that Maryland team and I was the whole the whole beat at the at the IDS we were all kind of sitting there and it's like what's going to happen but then you get eight new players brought in um, one of them being Abby Myers who played for Princeton at Assembly Hall mm -hmm. and had a very good game against Indiana I think she's going to bring something new that obviously is you know totally different for Maryland than we've seen um, and so I think there's a lot of unknowns for that team just because of all the, the newcomers that makes it hard to prepare for and hard to predict what's going to happen. But just knowing, for me at least, seeing Abby Myers against Indiana last year and knowing that she's going to be on that team this year is going to be a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Kathy, I, I, same, same to you. Same. Yeah. Abby Myers, like uh, she, she caused us a little bit of problems in that Princeton game. Right. So almost cost us the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what um, Brenda Fries does with this team, though, because to your point, there's eight. And we've talked about that with us. Right. The big question mark is we lost our starters, seven new ones coming in. It's the same same story here, I think, for Maryland. And um, the, the difference that I think between the two teams for story wise I wonder because of um, the two that left, they left because of the transfer portal where our ladies left because they had to <laughs> essentially outside of Alexa Goulbay, technically she could have came back, but I mean, it was logical why she left. So it, I, I, it makes me wonder what's going on within that program. Was it just those two didn't gel in the program? Is there some other, other problems going on? Will she be able to fix whatever it was? So to me, I'm, you know, 
probably just making up stories or whatever, and it's probably just fine. But that's a lot going on for that team. And I think this one is definitely one I, I as well have circled. I feel a little lucky that we don't play them on the road. <laughs> um, I agree. This year. So I, I'm glad that we, if we're only going to get them once that we get them um, at home. So um, that is definitely one to highlight and, and keep an eye on. And Kathy, I'm going to keep it with you here. The next four games then at Michigan on the 23rd, Ohio State at home, which again, another tough game uh, with the Buckeyes who, you know, we, who they get the one girl. I can't think of her name. I forgot to look up their name, their roster today, but they get the one girl back who was out with an injury from last year who, who yeah. and they were, they won the league anyway, you know, and, yeah. and at least they were the number one seed going in, I believe in the big 10 tournament. So, so then Ohio State on the 26th, uh, Rutgers at home on the 29th and then two Minnesota. So again, kind of in my view, three games there that I think are wins, but Ohio state, man, if you want to be in that, you know, at the, at the mix at the end, you, I really think you got to win this game at home, Kathy. Yeah. Um, the interesting one, actually, I, I'm concerned about is at Michigan. Um, you know, they finished third last year and, and I, I, I definitely they would lost not a lot. They lost. They a lot. did, mm-hmm. but I, I wouldn't rule them out either. I, I expect that they might might still be up there. And so again, being on the road always makes me nervous. <laughs> um, going into that environment, and it, especially going onto a road where a team you just don't know what um is going to be going on. By then we will, but as of right now, I don't. But yeah, mm-hmm. that Ohio State team, you're right. I mean, they're they're returning a ton of people. This is the the good news is at least it's going to be at home. Um, and we figured out how how to beat them last year, so. If we figured it out, then I'm hoping with our new players, by the time we get to January 26th, they'll really be gelling together and coach more and I'll have them ready to go. And Amanda, same thing to you, those four, but especially the Buckeyes at home on the 26th. Right. I First to talk about Michigan, just for a second, they did lose a lot, but I think they are returning four out of five of their top scorers. And so I think it's going to look very different since they don't have Nas Hellman and she was kind of like the face of that team. Um, but again, not a team to rule out, especially in the environment that Michigan has. Um, and if they're having a successful season so far when Indiana gets there, you know, everybody wants to beat Indiana if they're going to be living up to the the level that everybody thinks they will. Um, so something to definitely keep in mind. And then Ohio State, again, just they have so many good players back um, and three point shooters, defenders up at the post. It's just I feel like they kind of have sort of the whole package again and so definitely one of the biggest games on the schedule to watch and something a, some a game the team that indiana is really going to have to play hard against and figure out how to beat again yeah and then really these last six games become okay. the key stretches almost like the men's schedule when yes. you really think mm-hmm. about it. the men's last the five six games and then the women actually end up being pretty similar so let's start with the at purdue on february 5th then Iowa on the ninth at home, and then back to Ohio State on the 13th. Uh, Amanda, I'm going to let you – why don't you break down those first three, and then we'll throw it to Kathy. Yeah, so Purdue's first, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, at so Purdue, home at with Purdue. Iowa, at Ohio State. Gotcha. Um, I think Purdue, Indiana is going to be big just because it's Purdue, Indiana, and everybody, you know, that there's so many fans and there's so much excitement around that. And it's also going to be big because Purdue – obviously the, the contest last year, both of them were close. Both of them were exciting. Purdue was able to play up to Indiana's level or Indiana played down at some points, depending on, you know, where you were at in the game. It, it all depended. Um, but I think that has the potential to be just as competitive this year. Mm-hmm. And I was remember talking to their head coach last year and it was her first year. Of course, this is her second one now and that people have really bought into what she is trying to put into that program. And now that she's been there for a little bit, I think that she's going to have more players who have bought into it and bought into it even more. Um, and so it's just going to be, it's going to be a lot. And especially going there is going to be a huge environment because last year it was a huge environment. I think they were doing some sort of promotion for the men's mm-hmm. team, but anyway, they got people there. And so that was, that was a big deal and they went into overtime. And so I think it's going to be, it's going to be a lot to look at. Um, Iowa was next. Yep, I was yeah. next at home. Iowa, two words revenge games uh for indiana and that is that's like the first thing i think of um because they didn't beat them last year caitlin cart is coming back obviously now indiana has scalia so there's your battle at the three-point line and i think there's there's a lot of emotions surrounding that at least for the fans and probably for indiana as well and for iowa because they don't want to lose and i was expected to be really good again this year they have sonano again and indiana couldn't put a stop to her 
which is something that they're going to have to figure out how to do if they want to win. Because if you have Clark and Sonato doing what they did last year, that's a whole, it's a whole beast in itself outside of everyone else on the team. Um, so just a very, very much a lot of competition and a lot of emotions and, and high stakes for those games. And then, of course, go back to Ohio State in a very tough environment. I mean, we've already talked about what their kind of personnel is like and stuff. So I will say this about Katie Gerald. Katie Gerald's the head coach at Purdue, former Purdue player, Indiana Miss basketball here in the state of Beach Grove. Um, When Katie played, Purdue was up here. IU was down here. That's changed. Yeah. I use up here, Purdue's down here. And you know she wants to flip that. And 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 I'm not saying it's going to be that easily done, but I think Purdue has that mentality that they they don't feel like at least Katie doesn't feel like that program is supposed to be a seventh or eighth place, ninth place team in the Big Ten. They want to make the move up. I'm not saying they're going to compete for the championship, but for them to get into that upper tier, I'm sure she's circling this game like, hey, we got this is a game we got to win. Kathy, I'll kind of let you talk about this three, yeah. but especially kind of that rivalry game with Purdue as well and Iowa. Yeah, I mean, on a personal note, I'm really looking forward to that Purdue game, Um, even though it's on the road. I think um, right now, tentatively, at least my husband and I are planning to come back to Bloomington for that men's game on Saturday against Purdue and then road trip up to West Lafayette on that Sunday. So at least, you know, maybe there'll be a couple specks of red in the crowd. But um, yeah, I mean, that environment last year that Purdue put up, whether it was a promotion for their men's game or not, I mean, their students showed up and they were loud and boisterous. And I expect the same thing will happen on February 5th. And I think that Purdue is one of those that, again, I, I, I have a, I don't, I don't know what people are, but I feel like they might be being slept on in, in the Big Ten. I think that they could really take a step forward, as you mentioned, yep. the second year under that coach. And, you know, they, I think the expectations probably um, externally aren't there for them and that they could really surprise some people. So, again, better be ready for them always. Whether they're projected to finish first or 14th, you have to be ready for these rivalry games. Mm-hmm. Um, Iowa, in addition to um, their two returning <laughs> players i think they got a really big transfer too i can't my brain's not coming up with her name but they got a transfer coming in too that's supposed to really add a lot to to their team as well so um iowa was obviously they didn't necessarily win the big 10 outright they you know ohio state did or they tied and technically ohio state won um but boy, Iowa just had their way with us last year. Um, so I'm hoping our new assistant coach who came from Creighton, who did figure out the the secret sauce in the NCAA tournament to beat Iowa, that she can she can bring that same sauce to us. And then, boy, going on the road to Ohio State, yeah, I think that that's going to be just a tough stretch, those three games, really the whole month of February. Like, yep. there's no letdown once you hit February, February 5th, really, with that Purdue game. There's no letdown. Boy, if that schedule is not going to get you ready for the NCAA tournament, I'm not sure what will. I will say this. We should say Caitlin Clark, with Paige Becker's announcing earlier this this summer that she's going to sit out the season, Caitlin Clark's going to be the odds-on favorite, at least Mm -hmm. to be preseason player of the year. Um, So, and obviously she's a very talented young lady. Um, I should say just basketball player as well. But she – um, so yeah, and then we talk about, but and Purdue though did lose a couple players. They uh, one of their post players, I believe, graduated, and so it'll be interesting to see how they fit some new, you know, some of the pieces to the puzzle as well. But by then, we'll know way more about them, just like we do pretty much everybody. But I also think it's interesting. Here we are, almost in end of we're in February before we play Purdue or Iowa once we're going to play them twice basically within a handful a couple of weeks yeah. um as well and so kathy i'll kind of throw this back to you then we'll finish up michigan at home purdue back at home and then at iowa on the 26th so what do you think <laughs> yeah. of those three well that's just also very brutal right and again like trying to put some specs of red in if i can get tickets hopefully my husband and i can get over to iowa city on that sunday the 26th and, and support the ladies there but my goodness iowa last year they sold out multiple multiple home games for their women and their crowd is just incredible there to support that that program and team so i think that's just going to be a ridiculous environment for the the team to finish up on so that's a tough tough stretch to at least you have purdue coming in at home you do have a week off so i mm-hmm. guess there's there's that <laughs> um but my goodness that's that's um yeah if you're not ready for the tournament by then then I'm not sure what else you could have done with your schedule. And Amanda, before I throw it to you to talk about those, again, we've already talked about Iowa and Purdue anyway, but um, you, that if I remember right, looking at the Big Ten schedule, excuse me, that Iowa-IU game is literally the last game of the Big Ten regular season. If you're the Big Ten office in Chicago, you've got to be hoping that that's a game that has some type of title implica- conference <laughs> title implication, if not the outright, you know, those two come in tied for the yeah. outright win. 
So uh, I'm sure just, it wasn't by accident. Oh yeah, that's exactly. That's what gonna, you actually just took my questions. Amanda, did you really think was any accident that that's the last game of the Big Ten regular season? Oh no, I was not surprised. Not not in the slightest to see them playing Iowa both home and away and have that be the last game. Uh, no shock whatsoever because of all the the history that happened even just last year. It reminds me of the Indiana Maryland game to close out the season last year. Um, just because of how much was riding on that for Indiana. I think it's probably going to be pretty similar for both teams. And like you mentioned, maybe title implications or, or whatever. Um, but it, it's going to be very important. Yeah. And I will say this uh, talking about um, uh, Iowa as well. And those two games last year, yes, we lost. Yes. We gave up a lot of points, but we never gave up in either of those two games. We, those were two games where we got behind and made huge runs to get back into games and make them competitive. And then, you know, just, you know, and if I remember, right, even at the big 10 tournament, it, mm-hmm. it was, you know, we, you know, we, it just was not our year no. for the Hawkeyes and yeah. just couldn't get over that hump, but and they were a good team, take nothing away from them. So I'm going to throw this to you, Kathy first and, and or actually I'll make the prediction. And then I want you guys to predict conference record. I'm going to go 15 and three. I think they win everyone at home and they lose at Purdue at Ohio state at Iowa. I'm going to I'm going to go with the positive vibe here, fifteen and three. Oh my gosh, uh, I Kathy, I'll, give it, I'll throw it to you, prepared. Kathy. Sure. I had That's fifteen fine. and three as well. Yeah, um, but I have them actually um, really almost fifteen and four. Had the same three, or had two of the same three losses. I'm being more optimistic again, maybe because I'm planning on going there. I feel like we can go in and beat Purdue. I actually think that the Michigan game is one that we're not going to going to pull out the one on the road at Michigan. So. Um, 15 and three, 14 and four, I kind of hovered between there. I think I will probably go with 14 and four as well. Um, losing to Iowa, Purdue on the road, um, and ne- ne- not Nebraska, Nebraska on the road. Yes. No, it's at home. Ohio no, State. at home. Ohio, Ohio State. State. Ohio okay. State. They're both, oh, they're red. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long day. Um, yes, yes, and I think they're, I just add in that one other loss and I don't know who it would come to at home, yeah. but I think something's going to happen. Something's not going to go Indiana's way at some point in the season of whether or not someone gets hurt or they just have a weird game. Um, and so I, I think, I don't think they're going to go undefeated at, at home as cool for them as that would be. Um, I don't know if they're quite, they're quite there yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's the smart way to go. <laughs> I, my, real quick, 15-3, I think, it wins them the Big Ten title. Kathy, you? Where yeah, you I, I do, too. If, if they can if they can um, keep it to only three losses and maybe even four losses, I think they're definitely um, setting themselves up for that that Iowa game on the 26th for definitely um, <laughs> what the Big Ten is probably wanting it to be, which is potentially for the, the Big Ten title. And, hey, Maybe it is. And just as a side note, the last time that the men won the Big Ten title in Iowa City, I was there for that one, too. So maybe <laughs> we can go, you know, recreate it on the women's side. So Yogi, yeah. Yogi's big shot. Amanda, you think that 14 and four gets them a title or at least a, maybe a share? I, I think so. Both Ohio State and Iowa had 14 and four records in yeah. conference play last year. And obviously they did just fine. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think if you can get three, four wins uh, or three, four losses, not wins. Yeah. Um, then I think, I think they'll be fine. They'll at least be at the top, um, and solidly set up for NCAA, but you know, you never know. No, no, you no. don't. And that's you know, that's yeah. why we're doing. That's why. That's why somebody's going to go back and watch this at the end of the season and be like, "What is Marlo doing? <laughs> picking fifteen and three? Um, well, same for me. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> so anyway, so a couple questions from our listeners and for the workaholics in the chat. If you guys have any questions you want us so to ask, before we get to questions, Jeff, non-conference. Do you have them losing any of the non-conference games? And if so, how many? The, the, the only one that I have them possibly losing two. I'm not sold that they'll lose both of them, but I could see them losing at Tennessee and losing at home to Carolina. Yeah. I, other than yeah. that, I think they run the table. Yeah, I think they're going to split those. I'm, again, yeah. being optimistic that, you know, our men's North Carolina crowd feeds into the women's North Carolina crowd and really carries us through on that one. So I, I predict the Tennessee probably being a loss on the road, especially um, that early on. But I have them splitting those two games. Yeah, that's probably the one I would go with as well. I just know that Carolina may have just a little <laughs> more raw talent than us. 
Um, but I think at home, if we can get that crowd in there with that environment that like Amanda talked about, like you and I, Kathy have been at games before on, at least on the men's side, when like man said, when that place is rocking and rolling, it's a whole different environment. Uh, so I would say I'll go a four. Uh, that's why it puts me at four losses overall for the season. But again, I could see them that North Carolina game to me is going to be a toss up game. You know, even though it's at home, I think if you were betting on it, you'd say it's a toss up. Um, Amanda, what about the non-conference for you? Yeah, I'd say Tennessee probably going to be a loss um, since it's so early on, since it's at Tennessee. Uh, UNC, again, a toss-up. And I, I don't want to put all the pressure on the fans, but I think a lot of it will come down to the fans and the environment. Yeah. Um, because when you look at the two teams, that's a toss-up in itself. And so the the structure around them and the energy that they get from an outside source is going to be a big deal. Yeah. So Amanda and I are calling out the fans right now already. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> I did that last year a few times too. Yes. So, so our first question comes from Phil and Kathy, I'll throw this to you first sure. and then we'll ask Amanda and, and who are the contenders for the women's big championship and who likely will finish strong to make a run in the conference and NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I actually, I'll answer first and I'll throw it to Kathy and Amanda. To me, the top four are IU, mm -hmm. Iowa, Ohio State, Maryland at this point, but I think Nebraska is dangerous and can and can be to me they're the one that can get in there and make kind of a, make some you know be a spoiler maybe if they don't get you know for the title. Um, Purdue to me is the one that to, I could see making a run late in the season and making it to the NCAA tournament. Who did you have your top four again, Jeff? IU, Ohio State, Iowa, and Maryland. No, no order right there. Obviously, I just said I pick IU to win the yeah. league, but to me those are the four teams battling Same. it out for the title. Yeah. Same for me. And I have Nebraska knocking on the door um, of that, 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 uh, I mean, Nebraska's preseason as well. Top 25 there, they were ranked 24th and whatever, however long ago that was now, but um, I, I still think, yeah. And then don't sleep on Michigan and Purdue and my, my thoughts. Amanda. I've got, so Indiana, Ohio state, Iowa, and I'm going to say Nebraska instead of Maryland. I'm going to flip those two. Um, I just feel really good about what Nebraska is looking like. Um, again, I think Purdue and Michigan could be set up later in the season once they kind of get things underneath them and once they sort of get, get going to be able to come in and at least solidly compete. Yeah. And the one thing I haven't done really, um, I, I've looked at obviously Indiana's schedule. I haven't looked at the other team's schedule, right? right? Like I'm looking at our schedule and I know we got a little lucky with some of like the no Maryland on the road, no Nebraska on the road, but boy, we really have a tough February. I don't know. Like Ohio State last year actually had a pretty easy schedule from a conference perspective, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which really helped them lead to that share of the, the conference title. I don't know about that with the other teams. So I'm, I'm strictly making my <laughs> predictions, whatever you want to say, <laughs> based on what I expect from strength of those teams. But, you know, the, I think that the Big Ten, you, you're, it's still not, you know, top to bottom. You're not going to you have still a lot of bottom teams that um, yeah. we don't have to worry about too much yet. Maybe that's an episode we need to do is kind of look at the overall Big Ten, yeah. you know, at least the contenders and see what their schedules play out like. Um, Amanda, I'll throw this one to you first. Phil wants to know how also how many IU players make all conference and will we have an All-American? Uh, so I'll ask you it's first tough. and then we'll go to Kathy and myself. <laughs> I, I, I just asked. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Phil, um, if you're still listening, that is a tough question. That is a hard question. I think I expect big things from Mackenzie Holmes. Um, I think she could make all conference. I think she could have last year if she wasn't injured. Um, and so I can see her. Mm, if Scalia can sh perform the way she did last year, I wouldn't be surprised if she's also all conference. Um, let's see. I feel like that might be maybe Grace Berger, but kind of it's just it's so hard to tell because you don't <laughs> you don't know how anyone else is going to perform either. Um, and I might say. I would say Mackenzie Holmes has a shot at All-American depending on how the season goes, but I wouldn't rule her out as of right now. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's kind of where I am. I think um, <laughs> um, definitely I think Mackenzie, um, yeah, assuming, again, no injuries like we had last year, right. I think All-Conference seems like a pretty easy, safe bet. Um, I think she could definitely knock on the All-American door. Um, I don't know enough about Sarah in her total game to know if she can knock on the door either of all conference um, grace. I I'm, I'm maybe I'm expecting a little more from her just again, because it's like her 17th year coming back and, you know, it's like, she's got all this experience and, you know, she didn't have to come back. She really could have made a shot at the pros and she's 
put some expectations on herself working on the outside shot. I, I, I may be expecting a, a, a jump from grace that moment, maybe put her into that all conference talk. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm at. McKenzie and Grace would be the two I would look at. And I think a lot of that is going to be, um, but it also comes down and, and Phil didn't say per se in the question, if we're only talking like first team all conference, right, like five, right. then it's hard to get two people on an all conference team, especially with this, you know, you talk about Sinano and, 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 and Caitlin Clark and the girls at Ohio state, it's, it's hard to get more than one. So I think it matters, you know, but the more success you have sometimes, but you know, if you're now talking a second and a third team, then to me, then you start pulling in more kids. You know, so definitely Mackenzie Grace, and then maybe a Scalia. Uh, I'm still one that believes Sydney Parrish has some upside um, as well after coming back from Oregon, as far as the all American team, I think it just, you know, a part of that, I agree with you about McKenzie because I'm not sure there are a ton of, of really good post players around the country, but I think that grace, if she can improve that shooting, especially the outside shooting, will put herself in a position to be part of it because if this team has success and she does those things, I think she's really going to be the one everybody talks about, even though McKenzie may be putting up bigger numbers and things like that, but grace will have made that improvement in her game and it'll make us so much better because we know what grace Berger can do already. We just, if she can develop a three point shot, that's effective sky's the, you know, the limit, even again, talk about ceiling here. We, you know, we're raising that ceiling again. So, um, so uh, Phil, thanks for. So can I add on to Phil's question? He didn't ask this, but what about all freshman team? Um, do we think that Garzon has a chance because yes. I went back I do too. And I, cause I went back right for the Illinois football game and there was a ton of chatter um, at different tailgates uh, from various people, whether they know what the heck they're talking about or not, who knows, but there's, there seems to be a lot of really positive chatter about her. So I don't know, Amanda, have you heard much about Garzon and do we think maybe she can knock on the door of that all freshman I, team? I think she definitely, I think she could. Um, I have heard some chatter granted. Most of it is within like sports media. And so these people are like informed and just talk about it all the time. Um, so I don't know outside of that how much people are talking yeah. about her. Um, I think the the big thing is whether or not she gets enough playing time to be able to knock on the door. But I think if she can get out there enough, um, definitely she could be up there. And speaking of that, Amanda, I'll throw this one to you. This is from Quang, starting five. Oh, gosh. Um, hmm. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm trying to go through the whole roster. Uh, so Mackenzie Holmes, um, Grace Berger, obviously. Uh, those, those two are set. That's fine. I'm good with that. Uh, I think Scalia. Um, I could see maybe Alyssa Jerry starting next to Holmes um, because she just has that experience. What is that? We're at four. Four. Mm -hmm. Why can yeah. I not think of someone else that could start? Yeah. To me, it comes down. I'll kind of help you. I'll, I'll help you out here a little bit. <laughs> to me, it comes down maybe to one of three. Because I agree with the, I kind of agree with three of the four there. And I think Geary's in the mix as well. Mm -hmm. um, but Sydney Parrish, Garzon, and maybe Chloe Moore McNeil. So who yeah. would yeah. who would be probably the, your fifth out of those three? I would probably, for the beginning of the season at least, start out with Chloe Moore McNeil um, because she's had the experience. I would say it would not be Garzon because she's a freshman. And unless Terry Morin has changed up her strategies, Freshmen are not going to be consistent starters. Um, at least not early. At least not right. early. Exactly. Right. Um, so I would, I'm he a little hesitant, but I would go, I think, with, with Chloe Moore McNeil. Yeah. Okay. Kathy? Um, yeah. I mean, originally, I think um, I had um, pretty much the same, except that I had Sydney Parrish in there instead of Chloe Moore McNeil. Um, I'm kind of wavering on that too, uh, as well. Um, so, I think I'll still stick with my starting five from whatever, how many times we've said it now. So which is Gary, Sydney Parrish, um, uh, Grace Berger, McKenzie and Sarah Scalia. Um, but I, I would not be one bit surprised to see Chloe McDeal deal um, trotting out there on the middle of the floor um, before tip off. And I think that I would go with that same five there, but I think to foot to what I'll be interested in is do you see Garzon maybe be the sixth or se like the sixth yes. man off the bench right mm -hmm. away and or seventh. And do you see her get some run with that first unit a little bit more than you might, yeah. uh, than Terry may have done with some previous freshmen as well. I so, hope so. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That fingers crossed. Fingers right. crossed. And then finally Quang asked this one as well. And, and, and Amanda, I'll give it to you since you're our guest here tonight. Caitlin Clark's got it coming to her. Quang says Cardano <laughs> Hillary or not who guards her. Oh, wow. I think yeah. she's 
I don't think a single person is going to guard her. I think they're going to switch yeah. it up because they even did that in the Big Ten tournament. They it did. was not – they had Allie Pepperg on her. They had mm-hmm. they had Cardano Hillary on her. It, she just moved around all Always. the time. I don't – yeah, I don't, I don't think you can specify one person because I think she could figure out that one person and get around them. So um, I think they're going to have – it's going to be a lot of work to guard her, yeah. and so I think it's going to be a full team effort. That's – a runaround answer, but no, it's no. not. I, I actually <laughs> love that That's answer. Where I was going to go to is defense by committee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, really, and, and and the part of my reason too is I don't know. Like in, in theory, maybe you think okay, you're going to mash up your three point shooters against each other and Sarah's clear, but I don't, I, I don't know a thing about her defense, and I just don't think right. she's going to be able to defend her. So I, I kind of ruled her out. Um, I was leaning towards Chloe McNeil. Um, if we're going to see the bulk of the minutes of someone guarding her, that's where I kind of immediately went, but I don't know, Jeff, what are you, what are your kind of thoughts on this question? That's well, tough. I agree with all three. I agree with both. There's going to be a committee here of kids to guard players, to guard her. I'm wondering, but the one I'd be interested to see is not for a full 40 minutes, obviously, but do you put Grace Berger on her for a little, just because Grace may not be the fastest kid defensively, wow. but she's tenacious. And I think with experience, I would, to me, I also just kind of really enjoy seeing that matchup of ideally kind of the two best offensive players matching up against each other. Well, I think the thing that we saw with Caitlin Clark last year is that if you can kind of get to her by being tenacious and, you know, the way that Cardano Hillary guarded her, just like annoying her, um, I think that can do a lot to her and cause her to to commit fouls and everything. And that's why I I wouldn't be surprised if we did see Grace Berger on her for part of it, because I think her, her attitude could do that. Yeah. So in the chat, Tony Stucky, <laughs> yeah. didn't see it, just get, just get physical with her. He's, so. he's not wrong. So <laughs> exactly. So we want to thank Amanda for being here tonight. We'll come back and give her a chance for final thoughts, but some programming info, Kathy and I, again, it's been such a slow period right now. We may wait and see what happens next week. I think Amanda said next week is the media availability, but yep. we'll let you guys know when our next podcast is coming down the pike and, and we're just kind of playing it by ear right now, but you can follow us, Kathy and I, and, and the doing the work on Twitter at, D-T-W-I-U-W-B-B. That's doing the work IU women's basketball. But the, on Twitter, it's at D-T-W-I-U-W-B-B for news and info. Or check out the Assembly Call community page as well. AC Radio is scheduled for their regular show tomorrow night at 9 Eastern, 8 Central. And so it's time for Last Call. And Kathy, I'll throw it to you first. Me first. All right. Um well, if we weren't excited before, who's super excited now after actually breaking down the schedule and really talking through it? Like, I, I'm, I'm so excited for this year. Um, I, I just, I, you know, um, last year we knew what we were getting with our team. We had a lot of returning veterans. This year we're guessing. And that also, to me, actually adds to the excitement because it's not like we're guessing on what the freshmen only will look like. That's part of it. But we're also guessing what are the transfers going to do and add to this team because, boy, I think that that transfer market really made such an impact to a bunch of teams and you just don't know how they're going to look anymore. And I think that's just really exciting. I think it's great to see our women really in the mix for real true discussions again of potential contender for a Big Ten conference title and knocking on that door again. So um those are kind of my my final thoughts. I'm just so excited for for these ladies. I think they're they're going to really have something to show. Um, a lot of expectations, and it doesn't mean a thing until the ball is tossed in the air. But I, I think they're going to really live up to it. So um, for me, that's the word of the day: is excitement. I'm just excited. And and Amanda is our guest. You'll get to kind of the final word here tonight. Yeah, I mean, like Kathy said, there's so much excitement. They do have really high expectations after the last two seasons and the success that they've had right. regular season and in the postseason. So a lot of eyes on them, which I think is really good for the program, and they've shown that they can perform under that sort of pressure. And in terms of all the unknowns, I like the unknowns too because it makes everybody more excited because we don't even know who the starting five are going to be. Right. And last year you consistently knew who the starting five are going to be. And so I think it's just – it's not the most challenging schedule that we've ever seen, but I think there's a lot more room for good things to happen because of the, the opportunities that more players are going to get, hopefully, off the bench and in certain arenas. And, you know, we can see what people can do more early in the season. And then, obviously, going into Big Ten play, Big Ten play is always exciting. Mm-hmm. And and who knows what can happen in it. Um, and so I can't wait for things to get started and to be able to, to see all of that happen in person. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to echo both of you. I'm just, 
Yeah, the excitement <laughs> for the season to see this team, to see the pieces come together as a former coach. That was always my favorite part of putting a team together was to see how a new team coming back. You had the piece, the people coming back, plus like new kids coming up from the JV at the high school level, you know, putting those pieces together. To me, that was always the exciting part. And I, I really, uh, like I said, I, I'm really, I think the preseason, the non-conference schedule plays out pretty well. It's not an overly tough schedule, but you are playing some nationally caliber teams in Carolina and in, in Tennessee, and you're going on the road for at least one of them. Um, but I, I, I think we all agree that's that stretch in February is where the is really going to determine how whether we consider this season successful or just kind of eh, about ex expectation. So, um, but that's my opinion, and we'll see what I say come you know, come February, March when we're hopefully talking about a, a NCAA tournament run. So, but I want to thank Amanda for joining us tonight. Kathy and I are always glad to have guests join us, and 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 for all the workaholics out there, if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. Again, that's youtube.com slash assembly call. Also, make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. It comes out every Sunday and after every men's basketball game. You can join for free today at join.assemblycall.com. Again, that's join.assemblycall.com. Special thanks to John Ringer. We probably should have put this out earlier, Kathy, even though we've been doing some <laughs> stuff on Twitter. Special yeah. thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our new logo that if you're watching the YouTube broadcast, you can see in the upper right-hand corner. That is our new logo. We've shared it a little bit on our Twitter feed as well. So we actually had John gave us four designs that we can use off and on throughout the season, but this is our, our, our primary logo, and we just want to get or actually, this is one of our logos. We have another one that has uh, as well with kind of a microphone, you know, look to it. But we're we're really excited about the work that John's done for us. And again, we also are looking to in the future we may also have our own YouTube channel. So there's some things we're trying to do a little bit along with the the back home network here as well. But I want to thank Amanda Foster from Inside the Hall and the, uh, formerly the Indiana Daily Student for joining us, and, and especially since she has background covering the women on a, on a regular basis um and thank you guys who are the workaholics for listening and watching we'll be back to talk iu hoops again with you soon until then keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim and go hoosiers Ooh. thanks everybody appreciate y'all being there tonight some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with allstate not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.